MSW Media. Thanks to ZBiotics for supporting the Daily Beans. ZBiotics engineered a pre-alcohol probiotic. Go to zbiotics.com slash dailybeans to get 15% off your first order when you use code dailybeans at checkout. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Today, classified documents have now been found in Mike Pence's house. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis says charging decisions are imminent for multiple defendants. Donald and Alina Haba have dropped another lawsuit pursuant to a $1 million sanctions fine. Trump writes Pete Navarro a last-minute executive privilege note. The Justice Department sues Google for antitrust violations. And Judge Trevor McFadden finds a few January 6th insurrectionists guilty in bench trials. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Welcome back, Dana. Well, thank you so much. My sweet mother came into town, and so I'm continuing to work, and she's in the other room, but that's why I wasn't able to be with you yesterday. So thank you for the time to get my mother safely into my arms. I thought you just were calling me your sweet mother. Thank you, my sweet mother. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you, my sweet mother is in town. (laughs) Could you imagine? I'm not, I'm not Mike Pence. Could you, I would, if anyone ever fucking called me mother that I was in a relationship with, I'd dry up and be like, we're breaking up. We're absolutely breaking up. (laughs) Oh my God. That's amazing. Um, Speaking of mothers, um, the mother of all racketeering investigations headed by Fonnie Willis, Fulton County DA. So good. There was a hearing this morning and it was absolutely fantastic. I was listening to it with a couple of friends of mine because, you know, nerd alert. And um, the party, that's how we party over here at the uh, AG No one likes a bragger. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was really interesting because the line of the day was when, because Fonnie Willis, basically this hearing was to decide, for Judge McBurney to decide whether or not to release the report that the special grand jury has put together. And there was Fonnie Willis's side and she's saying, don't, please don't release her. You're going to make my life so fucking hard, man. Could you not? Could you not? Because you're going to make it so possibly it could help the defendants come up with a defense or it could, you know, all the reasons that this kind of, you know, talking about an investigation could jeopardize the investigation. You could actually be trampling on the rights of, of potential criminal defendants who could come out and say, look, I'm not going to get a fair trial in this town because of all this pretrial news or, you know, just all sorts of different considerations. So she's like, could you just hold, could you just wait? And it, it, we should do these on a case by case basis. The content of the report should drive your decision. And then there was the media there saying, release it, release the report, release it now. And uh, Judge McBurney was devil's advocate on both sides. So at first it seemed like he was going to side on the, you know, side with the folks who wanted to release the report. But then when the release the report team got up, he was like, yeah, but that's not a good idea because of this and this. So, it, you know, he was just doing his job as a judge to, to cover all his bases. He did not make a decision today. But the, the line of the day was when Fonnie Willis said, look, it's not like we're going to keep this report secret forever. Decisions are imminent. Ooh. And yeah, imminent. And And she also said, This could impact multiple criminal trials and cases. And and so from the things that she said today, we can gather that she is going to indict multiple people 
and it's imminent. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I'm very excited. And then also, Trump and Alina Haba have dropped another lawsuit against Letitia James, New York Attorney General. And this one was, uh, I think, sitting in the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. And this one they dismissed with prejudice, so they can't file it again. And uh, Adam Klass filed at Law and Crime, put together a great story about it if you want to read more about it there. But ha ha ha, they're just keep dropping their lawsuits ever since they got hit with that $1 million sanctions fine for their (laughs) bullshit lawsuit against Hillary Clinton and the rest of the Western world. So that is uh, those are the top news bits that I wanted to get to before because it was a it was a pretty big news day again. And I think that's just going to keep getting uh, bigger as as time goes on here, as we gear up for indictments from uh, Fonnie Willis, Department of Justice, probably uh, in the next coming months. So everybody buckle up. Uh, We do have a lot of other news to get to, though. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. A lawyer for former Vice President Mike Pence discovered about a dozen documents marked as classified at Pence's Indiana home last week, and he has turned those classified records over to the FBI. That's according to multiple sources familiar with the matter. The FBI and the Justice Department's National Security Division have launched a review of the documents and how they ended up in Pence's house in Indiana. The classified documents were discovered at his new home in Carmel, Indiana, by a lawyer for Pence in the wake of the revelations about classified material discovered at Joe Biden's office and, of course, the Trump documents. The discovery comes after Pence had repeatedly said he did not have any classified documents in his possession (laughs) and after he railed against Biden for his having documents at his house um, and how that was he thought that was bad. So that's really interesting. Now, um, I don't think there's a crime here either. And and Pence probably didn't know he had classified documents in his possession. If you've listened to the last episode of the Jack podcast with me and Andy McCabe, not this week, but the week before, you know, Andy talked about, dude, spillage of classified documents is very common. And we find out about it and we go and we get them. And if nobody committed a crime, we just we keep it to ourselves. You know, I'm actually starting to wonder if I have classified documents in my apartment at this point, because they seem to be everywhere. (laughs) Me too. Everything I see on Twitter now. I know Michael Beschloss, presidential historian, put up a picture of LBJ dining in a in a presidential dining room at his home in Texas and a long time ago. And I'm like, I wonder if there's classified documents in there. (laughs) So. It's just um, it's I think the United States is is now people are finding out how normal this is. But also what the fuck that the documents are missing for years and and the the archives don't don't know. Yeah, well, the archives also isn't responsible for cataloging all classified documents. A lot of that's the Pentagon or the intelligence community or the Office of uh, Director of National Intelligence or the White House or whoever is the custodian of those particular classified documents. And as Andy McCabe pointed out, we don't serialize and track them unless they are code word classified documents. It's a very high level specific category of classified documents, uh, some of which might have been found at Trump's house. Now, the difference between Biden and Pence and the Trump documents is that Trump lied about them. He knew he had them and lied about having them and then, you know, tried to keep from handing them over once he knew he had them. And then he actually tried to swap them uh, with with the National Archives for Russia documents. Like, I'll give you some of these things that I have if you give me some of them Russia documents. It's just absolutely, <laughs> totally criminal. It's not clear yet what the documents are related to or their level of sensitivity or classification, the Pence ones. Pence's team notified congressional leaders and relevant committees of the discovery Tuesday. 
Pence asked his lawyer with experience handling classified material to conduct the search of his home out of an abundance of caution. Sources say that the attorney, Matt Morgan, began going through four boxes stored at Pence's house last week, finding a small number of documents with classified markings. So he found some in just the four boxes he looked through. I don't know how many more boxes there are, but maybe the DOJ is like, all right, stop looking. We're going to come look. Who knows? Pence's lawyers immediately alerted the National Archives, and in turn, the archives informed the Justice Department. That's how it works. Lawyer for Pence told CNN that the FBI requested to pick up the documents with the markings that evening, and Pence agreed. Agents from the FBI's field office in Indianapolis picked up the documents from his house. On Monday, Pence's legal team drove the boxes back to D.C. and handed them over to the archives to review the rest of the material for compliance with the Presidential Records Act. Meaning, here's the non-classified shit in boxes, archives. Is any of this shit yours? Take a look. (laughs) And in a letter to NARA obtained by CNN, Pence's representative to the archives, Greg Jacob, wrote that a, quote, small number of documents bearing classified markings were inadvertently boxed and transported to the vice president's home. Inadvertently boxed and transported. That's probably what happened with the Biden documents. Vice President Pence was unaware of the existence of sensitive or classified documents at his personal residence. Vice President Pence understands the high importance of protecting sensitive and classified. Yeah, we know. The classified material was stored in boxes that first went to Pence's temporary home in Virginia before they were moved to Indiana. The boxes were not in a secure area, but they were taped up. And we're not believed to have been open since they were packed. (laughs) Once the classified documents were discovered, they were placed inside a safe located at the house. Pence's Washington, D.C. advocacy group office was also searched and no classified documents were found there. While Pence's vice presidential office in general did a rigorous job while he was leaving office of sorting through and turning over stuff like that, The classified documents appear to have inadvertently slipped through the process because most of the materials were packed up separately from the vice president's residence, along with Pence's personal papers. And all of the Trump, you know, humpers who are saying that uh, VPs can't declassify documents. Well, here, now we have a VP with classified documents. So just shut up. Did you just call them Trump humpers? I did. Okay. (laughs) Just wanted to make sure I caught that. Okay, keep going. Yeah, no problem. And I also, Dana, I want to address something that Dick Durbin said about the Biden classified documents today, because apparently some of the classified documents found at Biden's residence were from the time he was a senator. And the media ran with that as if to insinuate that he took them when he was a senator. And Dick Durbin said, I don't even know how you could do that. We as senators would be in a skiff and we couldn't take the stuff with us. But I just want to point out to everybody listening that just because those documents found at his residence were dated during the time he was a senator doesn't mean that's when he was reviewing them. He could have been the VP reviewing old classified documents, perhaps in preparation to run for president or perhaps, uh, you know, when uh, Obama asked him about something from the past or I mean, there's any number of things here. But for the media to just assume that it's because he took them when he was a senator is just irresponsible reporting. That's all. Thank you so much, A.G. All right. A federal judge on Tuesday convicted a Pennsylvania restaurant owner of storming the U.S. Capitol, where she screamed at police officers to bring out then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi so the Trump mob could hang her. U.S. District Judge Trevor McFadden decided the case against Pauline Bauer after hearing testimony without a jury. Now, the judge convicted her of all five counts in her indictment, including a felony charge that she obstructed the January 6th joint session of Congress for certifying Joe Biden's electoral victory. This is from the court records. Bauer's bench trial started last Thursday. McFadden announced the verdict from the bench, 
The judge is scheduled to sentence her on May 1st, and McFadden agreed to let Bauer remain free on certain conditions until her sentencing. Well, in September of 2021, McFadden ordered Bauer to be jailed for violating conditions of her pretrial release. Bauer remained in custody for several months while waiting trial. Now, the judge can give her credit for the time she spent in jail that she has already served. And during her initial court appearances, Bauer expressed an ideology that appeared to comport with the sovereign citizens. Extremist movements believe that the U.S. government is illegitimate. They're just illegitimate. Now, Bauer, who's 55, traveled from her home in Kane, Pennsylvania, to hear then-President Donald Trump speak to a crowd of his supporters at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th. Bauer was part of the crowd that forced Capitol Police officers to retreat up the stairs in front of the East Rotunda doors. This is what prosecutors told them. And Bowers entered, she entered the Capitol with a friend who was William Blazer and confronted police officers protecting an entrance to the rotunda. She shouted at police officers to, quote, bring them out or we're coming in. This is according again to the prosecutors. They're criminals. They need to be hung. This is again Bauer talking about Nancy Pelosi. Now, video from a police officer's body camera captured her profanely yelling at the officers to bring Nancy Pelosi out here now. We want to hang her. She and Blauser left the Capitol about 38 minutes after they entered. Bauer's indictment charged her with a felony count of obstructing an official proceeding. She also was charged with four misdemeanors, including entering or remaining in a restricted building or grounds and disorderly or disruptive conduct in a Capitol building or grounds. So she's just the first one we're going to be talking about in the stories today, but I'm glad that justice is being served on that case for sure. Yeah, so that's sovereign citizen insanity. And she. She is charged with 1512C2 and was convicted from the bench, the bench trial by Trevor McFadden, a Trump appointee. And that that particular felony carries a 20 year max sentence uh, without previous criminal history, probably four to six years, maybe. We'll see. From Cheney at Politico, Donald Trump is once again making a last ditch bid to help a former aide avoid prosecution for defying the January 6th Select Committee. A lawyer for Trump issued a letter this week endorsing the decision by former White House advisor Peter Navarro to blow off a subpoena from the January 6th committee by making a blanket claim of executive privilege. The January 23rd letter filed in federal court comes less than a week before Navarro is slated to go to trial for contempt of Congress for refusing to appear before the select committee last year. So for this whole time, Trump never sent a letter, but until now, right at the last minute. All of a sudden. Yep. Quote, this confirms President Trump's position that as one of his senior advisors, you had an obligation to assert executive privilege on his behalf and fully comply with the principles of confidentiality stated above when you responded to the committee's subpoena. That's from Evan Corcoran, Evan the Cork. That's what he wrote on Trump's behalf. And here's what's funny. Yeah, sure. But you still have to show up and assert your executive privilege. You can't just not go. The letter appears calculated to undercut the ruling of the U.S. District Court Judge Amit Mehta, rejecting Navarro's effort to dismiss the cases against him. Mehta noted in a 39-page opinion last week that Navarro had presented no evidence that Trump actually asserted executive privilege on his behalf, even though he made explicit assertions to block the testimony of other former aides. Defendant has failed to come forward with any evidence to support the claimed assertion of privilege. Meta wrote, and because the claim assertion of executive privilege is unproven, defendant cannot avoid prosecution for contempt. Meta is unlikely to consider Corcoran's letter sufficient to derail Navarro's trial. Navarro had initially claimed in court arguments that Trump told him during a private conversation to assert executive privilege, but Corcoran's letter makes no reference to such an assertion. It's the second time Donald has made a second bid to disrupt the pending contempt trials for AIDS. 
Days before longtime ally Steve Bannon faced a criminal trial for contempt, Trump took the opposite tack, writing a letter to Bannon waiving any potential executive privilege and clearing the way for Bannon to testify to the committee. That didn't work. So now he's writing a letter for Navarro saying, I gave you executive privilege all those years ago, but it's not even Trump, it's Evan Corcoran. So anyway, prosecutors dismissed that Steve Bannon gambit as a stunt to disrupt the trial. Successfully, they dismissed it. And Bannon ultimately took no steps to actually comply with the select committee subpoena, even after Trump's explicit permission. Thank you so much, A.G. And the Justice Department brought an antitrust lawsuit against Google, setting up high stakes test of the Biden administration's commitment to dismantling concentration in Silicon Valley. Well, the lawsuit, the second federal case pending against the search giant, alleges that the company's core ad business should be broken up because Google allegedly used its dominant position in the online ad industry to box out competitors. Now, by neutralizing rivals and forcing publishers to use its products, Google was able to dictate the rules of the marketplace for online ads. And this is what the lawsuit says. The action poses a significant financial threat to the company, which has been slashing jobs, I mean, a lot during a pullback in advertising. The suit seeks to force Google to sell off as much of its advertising technology products, which enabled the buying, selling, and placement of ads across Google Search, YouTube, and millions of other websites. The company's advertising network brought in $7.9 billion for the company in the third quarter, just the third quarter of 2022, about the same as all of Google's revenue from YouTube. While the lawsuit marks the Justice Department's first antitrust suit against a tech giant during the Biden administration, as growing push to rein in the power of tech giants flounders, President Biden's decision to tap industry critics as top antitrust enforcers was widely viewed as a draw of a Washington reckoning for big tech. But the last Congress did not pass new laws reining in Silicon Valley's power. Antitrust cases also take years to move through the courts, setting up a race against the clock for the administration. The Justice Department officials described this historic lawsuit as reflective of their overall strategy to more aggressively enforce the country's antitrust laws. Now, Associate Attorney General Vanita Gupta said that the Google lawsuit was filed in pursuit of, quote, economic justice and that the company's digital advertising practices gobbled up publishers' revenue for its own profit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not surprising to anyone. Now, eight state attorneys general who are taking up an increasingly prominent role in tech regulation also joined the Justice Department's lawsuit. The suit alleges that Google engaged in a systematic campaign to gain a grip on the high tech tools that publishers, advertisers and brokers use to buy and sell digital advertising. In a blog post, Google's vice president of global ads, Dan Taylor, well, Dan accused the Justice Department of attempting to, quote, pick winners and losers in the highly competitive advertising technology sector and took aim at the Biden administration specifically for bringing the suit during broader economic uncertainty. Yeah, they made $7.9 billion. And billion. I think for, for every 100,000 views uh, we get, Google AdSense sends us like 28 cents. Good <laughs> Lord. Yeah, it's, it's a lot like Spotify in that. So yeah. uh, good on the Department of Justice. I know uh, a couple of people have read through this 153 or whatever page lawsuit and that it looks really strong. So we'll see how it goes, but it's going to take a long time. All right. We have a lot of listener submitted good news to get to. And Dana, I did you dirty. You did, didn't you? I told everyone to to welcome you back um, with really hard to pronounce oh. words. So. <laughs> You're an asshole. Okay, here we go. You think I'm drunk and I'm just making shit up right now. Do you want to do if you have any corrections, idioms or any of that shit? Or you want me to just get go send me to the wolves right away? 
<laughs> We're just going to send you to the wolves, but right after right. we take a quick break. <laughs> God. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. When I drink alcohol these days, which isn't too often anymore, but when I do, I don't just bounce back the next day like I used to. That means a lot of time I might be the only person in the group not drinking or I would end up skipping plans with friends altogether. And I really miss those social gatherings. That is until I found Z-Biotics. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. And here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in your gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that is to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme, though, to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut, where you need it the most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol, drink responsibly, and get a good night's sleep to feel your best the next day. These days, I always have Zbiotics before I go out for a few drinks with my friends because I know I'll be able to wake up ready to tackle my day. Zbiotics was designed to help you avoid rough mornings and land on your feet. Give Zbiotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com/dailybeans to get 15% off your first order when you use um, Daily Beans, the code Daily Beans, all one word at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee, so if you're not satisfied for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. That's Zbiotics, the letter Z B I O T I C S dot com slash Daily Beans, and use code Daily Beans at checkout. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to give a shout out to somebody that you love, shout out to an adoptable pet in your area, small business that needs your help. You have any whoopee stories, like stories of like an old blankie or a whoopee or a stuffed animal or a stuffy, some people call them, that you've had forever. I want to hear about that. Baby pictures for Dana, uh, dogs and cats wearing outfits, or even any other pet that you might have. Send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. All right. First up. Um, I I feel like you should just read all of these. Yeah, but. I of course you do. I'm gonna. <laughs> but you should go. You should take the first one. I'll take the second one. All right, let me just make sure. Oh yeah, here we go. All right. From Jason, pronouns he and him. Hi, Beans Queens. I just wanted to welcome Dana back after a couple days on the road. I originally came from <laughs> Kunabara Brand, Australia, but now living in Gravenhague, aka Den Haag a.k.a. The Hague in the Netherlands. Keep up the good work. I wonder how I did. We're going to find at, out. At first, I thought, that, I thought that sign said, welcome to Conan O'Brien. Like, oh, you went to see Conan O'Brien live. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty close. Kunabara brand. <laughs> All right. This is from Anonymous Behind the Scenes Guy. Anonymous Behind the Scenes Guy. Pronounce he him. Good news. I got my grandpa a new electric recliner lift chair that is much more comfortable than his current one. But that's really just an excuse to welcome Dana back. Glad the dynamic duo of news podcastery is back together. I've been meaning to send you a picture of my boy, <laughs> Flutterdog. He's a papillon and a Belgian Melanois mix. I got those right. It was a pic of him in a toy boat wearing, I'm glad I don't have to say that more than once, in a toy boat wearing a hat made of red leather and yellow leather. <laughs> now he's doing this on purpose. I can tell. Alas, the picture lives on a phone that was accidentally defenestrated. 
I, I really hate is it. I know who this is, and I'm going to send him an email. Oh, defenestrated, defenestrated from the car going about seventy near <laughs> ZZYX. Zix, 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 Zix. Zix. <laughs> I mean, I hope you guys drink different. And if you're sober, definitely don't. But if you are a drinker. You really should just have a cocktail at some point while you're reading the good news because you will feel like I sound. Now, please accept this picture of of Monster trying to be a nice as nice as he thinks he can be to Butternut as a welcome back pet tax. Oh, awesome. Look how cute. <laughs> as nice as he can to Butternut. Excellent. Oh my goodness. Thank you behind the scenes guy. Uh-huh. Next from Ron, pronouns he and him. <laughs> Just wanted to say thank you for your excellent reporting for Pet Tax. I'm sharing a picture of my wife, Teresa, and our old friend, Earl, with our three rescue dogs, Dolly, a Puggle, Reva or Reva, an Aussie pity mix, and Arisa, a San Bernard lab. <gasps> Did you say a San Bernard? <laughs> yes. San Diego. <laughs> a, San Ver- a San Bernard. I believe it means whale's vagina. Look at these babies. Oh, so, so sweet. adorable. All right. Thank this you for is, that picture. Yes, this is from Aditi, which I love the name. Pronouns she, her. I've been listening and supporting since the early kitchen table days, along with my kid, who was probably too young for some of the swearing at the time. Eh, fuck I it. have a misheard lyric. Eh, fuck it. I had a misheard lyric. I grew up in India. English was not my first language, but I listened to the Beatles all the time, and I never understood the line, I love my cow, she'll never die, as long as I have you near me. In the song, and I love her, I still hear it, like that in my head. <laughs> awesome. Oh my God. All right. Thank you for the news. Swearing, giggling, inside jokes, insanity. Here's some pics of my pups. Make sure you look at my son's t shirt closely. Mimi's a brown mini dachshund who is the sweetest but possibly dumbest little girl. <laughs> Rady rhymes with Haiti. Good. Oh no. I'm sorry. Righty rhymes with Heidi. If I had kept reading, I would have been able to do that the first time. Is a standard black and cream dachshund who is my ever-present shadow. They both bring us so much joy and laughter every day. <laughs> oh my God. This dog. I'm like, I'm looking at the shirt. I'm like, Iron Maiden? Cool. But then if oh you my... scroll down, there's yeah. another shirt. Cute. It's so great. Hi, puppers. Oh, these are adorable doggos. Thank you for sending that in. Next up, Melissa, pronouns she and her. This is my rescue dog, Dante. We got him from a group of rescues uh, off the streets of Baja, California, that rehabilitates them and brings them up to San Diego for adoption. The 200-mile round trip from Huntington Beach to pick him up was the best decision ever. The rescue originally named him Donnie, but that wasn't going to (laughs) fly. So we renamed him Dante from the movie Coco. M. Bark found seven different breeds. So what the mutt? All right. Okay. Shepard? Shepherd, big ears. So I'm going to say like a, uh, no, I guess that would be a German shepherd. <laughs> a little pit just for fun. You want some pity? I'm going to say chow, right? Cause we got to throw that in there. Why not? Maybe a, ba- a Malinois. It looks like a little, instead of a German shepherd, maybe it's a Malinois lab. Mm, there's some big ears. Definitely. Yeah. A little bit of lab, maybe golden. Maybe <gasps> there's some golden oh, in there. Pincher. Oh, I didn't look at this next picture. Looks pinchery. I think there's some chihuahua in there, too. <laughs> Maybe Roddy. Yeah, it looks chihuahua, too. All right, let's see what we got. You know, if we name all the dog breeds, we're going to get something right. <laughs> look at German Shepherd. We got it. American yes. Pitbull Terrier. We got it. Yes. Doberman Pinscher. <gasps> we got it. 
Chow Chow, we got it. Lab, we got it. We only missed Collie and Husky. What? That's impressive. That was our best ever. We got one, two, three, four, five. So good. Seven. Fuck yeah. I'm impressed with us. Fuck yeah, indeed. All right. I am too. I'm going to have a glass of wine to celebrate. And thank you, Dante, for giving us our best what the mutt of our lives. (laughs) Okay. This is from Anne, pronouns she and her. Thanks for your daily podcast, Beans Queens. You help me get through each day with laughter. I'm a foster mom to the sweetest fluffy bottom cat. I just want to make sure that I wasn't just reading that wrong. Fluffy bottom bottom cat. cat. Yeah, just bottom cat. And I'd love to help him find his forever family. His real name on the adoption website is Mr. Green. (laughs) That's a clue right there. He was Mr. (laughs) Green in the kitchen with it. Okay. It's Mr. (laughs) Green, but we call him Jack. Short for Jack, comma, Yumber, as pronounced by my two-year-old going on teenager grandson. Jack is about 10 years old and is chonky, 20 pounds, 20 plus pounds. He's a big boy who loves lap time and tummy rubs. He's a snoring delight. Adoption info can be found at brooklynanimalaction.org. I'd really love to see him with his new family before the end of February. I'm going out of town and he'll have to be in yet another foster home. Thanks for all you do. He's a big boy. He's got a man cat face too. That's a man Yeah, he's right a beautiful cat though. My goodness. He's so chonky. I want to touch his belly. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So it's brooklynanimalaction.org. By the end of February... Get him now while you can, Mr. Green. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm, I feel so empowered by our successful What the Mutt, Dana. I do too. I mean, I think we should just go buy lottery tickets or something. Yeah, for real. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for sending this in. Uh, and we will be back in your ears tomorrow. Do you have any final thoughts? Nope, just happy to be back. And I really appreciate I was telling my mom about my sometimes... <laughs> Bad grasp on the English language, like words I'd never have come across before. Um, and but just all uh, also like owning those fallibilities and making light of them. I think it, it allows other people to feel a little easier on themselves when they also make mistakes publicly, which I do often. So I hope that's exactly what's happening on your end as you laugh at my inability <laughs> to grasp the English <laughs> language. <laughs> well, maybe one day we'll have to travel to and visit Kuna Barbaran. So who knows? Barra I mean, brand, excuse I'm me, in. Kuna Barra brand. I, I, I apologize. I already got it wrong, but uh, <laughs> I think it would be fun. Um, that's all I got. <laughs> I did that to you on purpose. I did. I know. And I don't feel, I don't feel. The next time, either. oh, the next time you give me a solo show, just so you know, <laughs> payback's a bitch. It's fun though. It's fun, interactive. Uh, uh, we should interactive do that. News. We should play games with each other while the other one's gone. So the next episode, you're, we're reading good news. We're like, what did you do? <laughs> and just try not to tell the other person next time. All right. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> we'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. I've been AG. And I have been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.